Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Uh, I am still here with my very good friend, Conrad. Say hello, Conrad. Hello, and I'm really sorry about what just happened. So we we have just had like a three-minute recording where I counted us into record and Conrad pressed play on his player without giving me the chance to count you into the episode. But never mind. And honest to God, it was probably the, the best three minutes of podcasting you've ever heard in your life. Yeah, you got, I'm really sorry you guys missed it. It was genius. I it, think it would have gone awards. It may go on the end of this episode as like an optional extra. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm, just, I'm so excited. I think it's basically, I'm, I was talking before about this cliffhanger with Sarah being sat with the Sudden Man, how it's the most exciting thing I can imagine in Doctor Who. And I got so excited I just hit play because I couldn't wait to see it. Sorry about that. But let's do it properly. Well, and uh, okay, well, let's let's talk about it over the actions, shall we? I'll count us in in five, four. You ready? Three, two, one. Let's go. So we too ready was my problem there. We did talk, didn't we, about about the music and about how effective the music is at that cliffhanger and how. Um, Oh, well, I said it was like a oh, that's so weird commentating on what we've already commentated on. Uh, but I said it was like an interesting uh, fusion of like discordant sounds, which to a four year old listening, while something terrifying is going on, will just like enhance the tension. Definitely. I think you've got you've got the music itself. You've got the sound of the, you know, the, the electronic sound of the cybermass. Mm. Then you've got Sarah's screens on top of that and the visuals. I mean, it's it's um, it's. To me, like the experience is one of, of terror, um, and I, I liken this to the, um, the, the, the probably the only other example that's scarier than this to me is, um, or it's up there with uh, the Doctor being attacked by the um, coloured mutant from the Hatching oh, Tanks in Genesis yeah. when he comes out of that, yeah. and it just, and it's, it just all, all the all this stuff is. I mean, the sound of this is absolutely superb. It's so alarming. There's this kind of really high pitched, irritating sound as this thing is stinging. I mean, it sounds like it's stinging her. The amount of smoke coming out of that room, that floor must have been electrified and then some. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, now watch how she plays this. She starts like panting and she yeah. looks like she's in gen she she just plays every scene like to the hill. Yeah, it's and because this story is quite good, this story generally is quite sort of flat in a way um, and, and we were talking before about uh, you know all the actors all the performances having to kind of breathe life into a fairly flat story I mean but you really get to see Liz Sladen's yeah. act and what she adds to it and this, one of the things about her is just that it, I mean it's just it's just the detail she never misses a single detail um, about her reactions to something she doesn't forget if she's got an attitude towards a monster or a gadget, she won't forget her Sarah's attitude to that. She'll—it's incredible. She doesn't miss a single beat. It's—I you know, would—I would never of... kind of advocate for a, a dreadful story, but I think you're right. I think one of the like consequences of a dreadful story is it really highlights what's working, like Liz Slater's performance, Tom Baker in Marta the yeah. technical achievements then, like everything yeah, that we've then, mentioned so far yeah absolutely and then the story itself isn't like a terrible story no i've seen there are a lot worse <laughs> stories and i'm not going to say in which oh. era um but like um it, it's it's a coherent story with a start middle and end i think the worst thing about it is that it's just quite simple and perhaps not as and, and in terms of the actual writing the dialogue is, isn't 
isn't there in the original script. So it's um, uh, you know, there are a lot worse scripts that are convoluted, making yes. no sense at all, totally ill-conceived. Ill this isn't that. But it's I'll just, tell it's you just bit... about this story. It's always moving, like it. Yeah, moves from location to location, from action set pieces to action set pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's quite pacey, <clears throat> and I think if a Doctor Who can be uh, kind of exciting, and it's got like exciting ideas in this, you know, they've got strap-on bombs, uh, a, a space plague. I mean, in the last episode, you've got Nerva Beacon flying towards a planet. They're kind of childish <laughs> ideas, but they're exciting ideas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the, the story itself is just a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit one of. It's, I mean, like we said, Terry Nation did it as well. They just had an idea and flogged it, and flogged it. And after a while, there comes a point where you're like, "This is, you know, it's ten days after the heyday of this kind of story. It's yeah. It, it, this this kind of story is, is sort of won't really do anymore. But um, it's it's not like offensively terrible or just like what a terrible idea that is. But it is interesting to um, see like a what is essentially like a 60s story made in the 70s. So yeah, done with like more punch. Yeah, it, it's funny. It, it, it feels like um, like you, you can feel several because obviously it's a new t brand new team coming in. Doctor, as we know, when it, when you change era, there's always a little bit of hangover from the yeah. previous era. So what, what, <laughs> until it really figures out what it is. I mean, here you can see there's lots of different things going. You've got a script from very much a 60s script. Um, the production, like all this stuff on Voga, absolutely looks like a Pertwee story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like a Tom Baker story. It yeah. looks like Peladon or some kind of. It, you know, it's, it doesn't. It doesn't feel really fully, fully feel like it, a Fourth Doctor style story, which, as you said, it's got is more kind of wood and gothic and and a bit richer. Um, so it's, but but then again, you have got the beginnings of Tom, Sarah, and and the, the, and the sort of quirkiness and stuff. Like, like I think the action is very Hinchcliffe. Like the action later when they're yeah. on location and there's machine gun bullets firing all over the place, and there's lots yeah. of location work. That's all very seventies. Yeah, and that kind of gritty sort of boy's own story action is very Hinchcliffe as well. So there's a mixture of stuff yeah. happening here. So there's a reason this story doesn't quite So maybe that's why it yeah. jars for people. It's it's like yeah, you're being pulled, does. pulled in two eras. Very much so. Um, mm. uh, oh, now, have you been Wookie to Wookiee Hulk? I have been to Wookiee Hulk Caves many times. I grew up in the West Country and ah. grew up with uh, inverted commas around it. And I remember one time I was at college and I was looking for a summer job. And they were advertising for um, tour guides around Wookiee Hole Caves. And I thought, I can do that. So I went and actually, I didn't think I, I can do that. I just thought, it's a job. I could probably drive there. I could make this work. Um, I went there and I did it for a week. So I spent a week shadowing the people who were doing it. So I spent a whole week like following tour guides around Wookiee Hole Caves. So I did that tour a million times. And I have, have to say, I absolutely, after about five or six days, the sound of dripping, oh. that cave sound of dripping. Chinese I did, water I woke, torture. I used to wake up in the night and I could hear that sound. And I was like, I am not doing this. It just drove me nuts. So I didn't do it. I suffer from uh, claustrophobia. So this, oh. th this sort of environment. Yeah, I went down into like catacombs under Edinburgh once. And people thought it was part of the ghost walk I was on. So I fainted. <clears throat> in the middle of this whole and I, I woke up with like a cold sweat and everything and people were like oh he's part of the act i really wasn't i just i can't handle dark oh wow okay oppressive spaces so this to me would be like my worst nightmare going down here yeah but it, it makes for a 
a fabulous stick. Like a, oh, yeah, a walking yeah. ball is wonderful and like it lights really well. It's got lots of, I mean, it's just bloody fantastic. Oh, so I mean, think, one question. How often does, um, you know how often Doctor Who does caves? How often does it go to actual caves? Actual real caves? I mean, hardly at all, not enough. But like, this stuff is great. The action of people running down corridors, running down stairs. Also, I noticed that Vopens are running down some stairs and what if they actually bothered to make these sort of handrails yeah. of gold? They put a kind of gold panel down. And I think it's a really smart move to to this is where just the, the smooth the move of doubling up the arc frees up the money yeah. for them to go and do a bloody fabulous location. So I think straight away as well we're so on really, film, so it looks cleaner and more expensive. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. It's quite a good calm, it's quite a good villain. I, I do. And this bit here, this wait until you see this performance where uh, he jumps on him and he's like, Ugh! Oh, yes, he's Ugh! actually jumped on. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Look at, look at this, this Boise action stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, this this stuff. This is this is uh, to drop a big finish reference. This is what Nick Briggs writes in every single story he writes for Big Finish. It's this uh, sort of mid seventies action oh, adventure. Right. Lots of guns in space. I I swear they must have done a, a sequel to Revenge of the Cybermen. They must have done. I'd be extremely surprised if they haven't. Um, oh, look at this little yeah, little I, car they've got going through the tunnel. Love it. Love a little car. I think um, that car was in Genesis of the Daleks as well. They're getting their money out yeah, of it. Probably was, yeah. But there's lots of visual interest. I, I love the caves. I love, and it really sells Vogue and the Vogans generally. I, I I just can't find it myself to be to really dislike the Vogans. They're fine, you know. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, they're, they're they're not incredibly well defined. Like there are better defined alien races. Yeah. But it's the sort of yeah. The, the, it's the, it's the do you know, do you know what they're there for? Thing. They're there to be killed, essentially, and they're vivid enough. Um, to be killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I believe they've got a, a culture and history. Um, and I, I like the fact that they've um, given us that, like, three of them very distinct masks and characters. Well, I, I yeah. love them and well, you've got, well, who you got there? Michael Wisher, who was Davros, amazing. Um, amazing. David Collins, who was what? Paul in Robots of Death yeah. and Mordred in Mordred Under It. And then, yeah. uh, best of all, you've got Kevin Stoney. Who was in oh. well, Dalek's Master Plan as Mavic Chen and Tobias Vaughn yeah. in the Invasion? Now you could argue that like getting actors that good and then <clears> putting <throat> them under these huge pudding masks yeah. isn't isn't the, the, the best choice. It wouldn't be your first choice. But I just think you've got to look at what you have got, and and I'm like, well, they are they acting what you're <clears> considering they are in masks. They're giving brilliant performances. I love how um, Michael Wisher like like coughs into a hanky during every yeah, scene. That that, that was never written in the script. But he's adding like yeah. a They're doing yeah, they're bringing this full Shakespearean, you know, courtroom royal drama to it. I and I bloody love it. Because they can give the size of performance that you need unburied underneath all of that stuff. I love the masks, I think they're great. I think um, the only unfortunate thing about the planet of gold is that it all looks a bit like game show set. It's all yeah, nice and glittery and fake looking. Yeah, gold can look very <clears> cheap <throat> um, generally at the best times, but with spray yeah. on, there's different colours. Also, what I love about these masks is they've done a really nice makeup job on them. They haven't just stuck pulled a mask on. They've made it up with all this glitter. There's glitter on their like eyelids, on their lips. They've actually got, you know, they've really done it really well, I think. What do you imagine that um, stalactite Tight, stalagmite is behind them there with the one light flashing. I cannot for the life of me think what that is. 
It's I love it. They just they they they've, they've just they live underground. So I suppose they've just hollowed and caved. Their, they they've hollowed their entire cities out of cave um, of, of gold. Oh, you've cool. given this a marvelous sense of depth. You know. What's that? You're giving this a marvelous sense of depth. The vocal oh, culture. One does. <laughs> I love it. Um, David Collins is is terrific in this. He, I mean, I think he's always great in Doctor Who, but he gets to be like the proper panto over the top villain. He shouts yeah, a lot. He good. barks orders. He's, he even yeah. <clears throat> like leaves the story by going, "My sky striker." Yeah, go hard or go home. That's what I say. I remember I, I worked with his son Sam, who's, who's a fantastic actor. Um, and I remember seeing him on a train once, going, I don't know where the hell we were going. And uh, I remember talking about his dad going, "Yeah, your dad's been into all these Doctor Who's, which is really, really before Sam's time." Uh, what you know? Uh, and he was highly amused to hear that I knew all the characters he played and all this kind of stuff. So he was well. Uh, he was very chuffed. Do you remember when he played um, the Doctor in one of the Unbound audios? I did. Yes, I listened. Okay, so he. The idea was, what if the Doctor was a bastard, and so he's kind of evil. And at the end of that story, spoiler to anyone who hasn't listened to it yet. He gets killed like again and again, regenerates, gets killed again, regenerates. It was the most incredible performance and a terrific story. Um, David Bishop, who is on Twitter, go and find him as well. He was the writer of that one. It was fantastic. Yeah, he's a banging actor. Um, gen uh, generally, the, act the acting and the, the quality of actors they've got in this are great. Yeah. And they're all, most of them have done Doctor Who's before um, and they know what they're doing. Uh, oh, here we go. Now, this is interesting. So this is, I love this, uh, where the fourth Doctor threatens, to get the truth out yeah. and threatens him with the Cyberman. And you see the, just the power and the strength of, of Tom. Look at how assured that performance. This is his third story of recording, I think. Mm -hmm. I think he's done Robot, if I'm right. Uh, Robot, Ark in Space, and this. Yeah. Was yep, his yep. third. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. But it's certainly incredibly He's early. got like an edge already, hasn't he? He's unpredictable. Uh, yeah, he's not fully formed, but he's a hundred percent believable as the Doctor. Oh and, gosh, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but this bit with these two, where she's like, oh, I'm, not I'm not just going to lie here glittering. Uh, yeah, we can't, we can't just sit here glittering, can we? Um, I mean, come on, it's Harry's obsessed with the gold, isn't he? He's like, oh, God, <laughs> we can take some of this away. We'll be a rich old girl. Yeah, yeah, he's just that's what Harry is. Like, he's a he's a nice guy. He's you know he's Tim nice but dim. Like, he's he's well meaning and he's a good chap, but he's just a bit of a twit. Yeah. Um, and that's okay, you know. Um, but Sarah loves him, about. doesn't she? Like she says in the Sarah Jane about, I loved Harry. They, yeah, and they love each other to bits. You can tell. He's just it's, it's like posh people. They they they. they I refuse to ship them though. I will not ship Sarah and Harry. That's like brother and sister. That is. They're, they're yeah, that's a whole other thing that happened now, which is a, a, a different way of reading stuff. But yeah, it was well, you know, no, Ian and Barbara, that. I can understand. Polly and Ben, I can understand. Sarah uh, and Harry, yeah, yeah. And don't go yeah, near, don't not go near Adric and Nissa. Yeah, if you're looking to try and yeah, read anything like that, just look how Sarah reacts when Harry she wakes up and Harry's holding her. She wakes up in Harry's arms. She's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> um, um, which I must say, I wouldn't say because Ian Martell was a beautiful man. Like he is that jaw. Mm. I mean, I'm just voting it now. Best jawline in all of Doctor. In 60 years of Doctor Who, there has not been a better jaw than on that beautiful man. Did you hear the story? It was in Elizabeth Slater's autobiography. Um, not long before he died, he turned up at Elizabeth Slater's house 
um, and he'd never seen her daughter. So it was, it was at night and her daughter was at bed and, and he basically said, look, I just go up and see her. I'd really love to see her. And he didn't know he was going to die. And it, uh, and she let him up and, she, you know, he held her and they had a lovely moment. And she said that was the last time she saw him. Like, so then she got the news about him dying. But by all accounts, he was just this, like, he was a big, like, burly bloke, you know, athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really gentle and really sweet with it. Yeah. And he was a smart man, you know. He he, he Oxford educated, I think, and uh, he he was also bisexual, which I like that story too. Was he? I didn't know that. I, I believe so. Yeah. I thought. I mean, that, did you did you ever read chance, um, but... Scratch Man that he and Tom Baker? Do you know what? I haven't? What a fool I am! I haven't. No, I haven't great. either. Actually, do you know? I mean, if Tom Baker's yeah. involved, it's going to be absolute lunacy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, it's certainly, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at these two doing their oh, comedy yeah. acting, getting out of the uh, their manacles. And now here's Sarah goes, I'm going to break off that stalactite. I'm like, you're going to break that off? <laughs> yeah. It's rock. But maybe I have friends who uh, like are into caving and geology and stuff like that. They would know better that it's perfectly possible or not possible. Do you know, um, Barry Lett said that he cast Doctor Who uh, regulars uh, for their ability to be able to hold your interest, even if what was happening on screen wasn't very interesting. So, like, their charisma and things like that. These two have got that. that I think he did both Iamata and Elizabeth Sladen, didn't he? Right. He hired yeah, both yeah, of them. Tom and Tom Baker. Yeah. Weirdly. So he's responsible for well, all three I mean, of these. Yeah, they work together so beautifully. Like, they could do anything. Sarah and Harry could do anything, and I would watch them. <laughs> yeah. They were just so fun to watch, and as a kid, you loved them. They were just... Um, you know, they really were that audience identification thing, and they did it beautifully. And you, you just loved them. They were like friends. They were you know, just the nearest comparison I could make is probably like Jamie and Zoe, where you had yeah, this like fun, good... brotherly, sisterly. They're bickering and biting at each other, but they love each other. Absolutely, yeah. But the, the bloke takes a bit of teasing, you know. Yeah, you know, the teasing for being and a, both blokes are pretty know, hot, which is always helps. Yeah, always helps. Do you know we've um there was there was actually an appearance of the Cybermen that we completely overlooked in this episode, so we have seen them already. We have seen. We haven't talked about the Cybermen yet. We've been, we've been, let's let's let's, let's wait. Let's wait till they arrive because uh, okay. Yeah, it's um that design needs some discussion. That design does need some discussion. I'm not entirely. So when would you have first seen the Cybermen as a oh a, a viewer, like live on your screen? What story would it have been? That's a so tough one this. to answer, you know. Um, no, so, I don't sorry, think I don't it know. was this. No, I think I think. No, no, you're you're we're, we're, like the first one you saw live. Oh, live! Oh, uh, well, yeah. Uh, so Battlefield was my first story. So live, it was so Rise of the Rise of the Cybermen. <laughs> no, Nemesis was before Battlefield. Oh God, right. So, oh right. So, okay. So when was it? Sorry. So, oh. so the, what the classic series ones just on VHSs. My first live one would have been Rise yeah. of the Cybermen in Rusty Davis's time. So old, everybody. So <laughs> old. Um, yeah, okay. But you, but your first time seeing them would have been um, watching the classic series, so it would have been a uh, shock or something. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I have never really been impressed by the Cybermen. I don't think that the writers capitalise on what... Essentially, half the time, they're just treated as like an army of robots firing guns. That's so mm. boring. I know. I'm sorry. I know that's your wheelhouse, and that's what you love. Doctor Who for monsters. No, no, no. And... They are difficult to write. I, I think Simon <clears> are <throat> difficult to write for. I think there's lots of things you could do with them. 
Um, and it's interesting here, you've got the cyber map, the cyber leader, they're, they're trying to do, to, they always try and give cybermen an extra something because on their own, they're very difficult. I know, I agree, I think they're that, very difficult. The idea them. of them taking away your humanity and the sort of the body horror behind that, like Doctor Who couldn't really go there. They tried it in like Attack of the Cybermen yeah. and yeah. it was quite effective like visually. Sorry, Sorry I'm just going to stop here. They're running down a corridor and they are blowing the shit out of those walls. I mean, they would never, this is pre-health and safety, which yeah, I yeah. love. And they've just put, like, explosives into the wall, and they're making lists late, and she's, like, physically flinching as they can just set these things. Chips of, like, wood rock could be flying everywhere. It is so dangerous, and I'm here for it. Do you know what's Sorry odd? No, it's not, well, like, you're about to introduce Simon at the end of episode two, aren't they? That's, like, their big appearance. Yeah. Anyway. That's normally episode one, isn't it? Like, why have they yeah, delayed they... it so much? I kind of quite like that because you, you, you know, they've called it Revenge of the Cybermen and, and, and they build up the cliffhanger. So the first the first is threat is Cybermat, the second threat is Cybermen, the third threat is blowing up the planet. So like I think that's a good, you know, you want to stagger. I'm not going to be one of those fans, but I am. Um, oh, Revenge of the Cybermen, that rather suggests an emotional connotation. Yeah, people. Yeah, people have a problem with that. I don't. Um, I just think it's because they, they talk about cyber war and stuff in here, which I kind of had to. So, so the, the, I think the plot mm. was the or what they've mentioned is that uh, there was a cyber war where the Cybermen, if I got this right, attacked Voga. But that was the cyber war where they invented the glitter gun and the That's humans right. or whatever yep. fought back. To the them. glitter gun, so, and, and we, which pretty much wiped them all out. But then because they've got this survival thing, a small band survive and try again. And I suppose that's revenge. I don't really know that that's... Do you remember in uh, Ascension of the Cybermen, um, the Jodie Whittaker episode, where, where we actually go to the cyber war? I like to pretend that that's somewhere in the middle of like this. You know, where all those Cybermen bodies were floating in space and all of that. Oh, yeah. But that's in the yeah. middle of this great Vogan, like, escapade. I love that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's true. It's, I've it's just got to say... This looks amazing. All, like this whole sequence. But there's, there's, I mean, there's like a, a pond or a lake under there. A huge lake. The, like the depths and layers in this story, in this case, are just, just, just visually mm. just gorgeous. Um, it's funny, I was, we were talking about Cybermen, and I was like, where does the word Cyberman come from? And I just thought, I don't know where the word cyber came from. So I had a quick look. And um, so, um, so cybernetics... The words term cybernetics came up in the 1940s when they were um, wow. to do with, like when they were obviously uh, you know during wartime were like developing control systems and communications and stuff. Mm -hmm. So cybernetics came up then, um, and that would presumably what Jerry Davis and Kip Hedler in the 60s were looking for some sort of robot men were coming came up with Cybermen. And I think the Avengers came up with Cybernauts. Yeah, before, yeah, that was a year before. So so they. they a little rattle there, but it was in the nineties. Those cybernauts. Um, did you, have you seen those episodes? I'm they are seen them. I'm watching the freaking yeah. terrifying. They've got oh, they've God. got like these arms, and they've got a noise like a like a, a whip cracking. Like, yeah. Wow. So, and even now they're still. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Hang on. This model work, yeah. This model work yeah. that's done on film of the cyber ship docking. Yeah. They did CGI replacements on the Blu-rays. Uh huh. I don't think they're better. In fact, I prefer the model work. Wow, good luck getting on the comps list, on the PR list. <laughs> your reviews. Don't just blame that one, mate. Um, yeah, I, to be honest, I never watched the... I didn't really watch the, the special effect, new special effects. I'm just not bothered about them. Uh, oh, no, 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 okay. Well, to, to redeem myself slightly. 
like some of them the the tom baker regeneration in logopolis they did amazingly well so just just a little Ah, redemption i love that here come the cybermen here come those bad boys i love the head cannons i who i love the head cannons and that noise and much as I love the, the I love the the eighties Cybermen, but I remember as a kid, this is what I thought Cybermen were. So when the eighties ones came in and they just had little holographic strips, I felt cheated. I was oh, like, where really? are their headguns? See, they're yeah, they're probably like, my favourite looking Cybermen though. The eighties ones, beautiful. But just because this is what I thought Cybermen were, I thought they all came with an inbuilt headgun. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised when those disappeared. Um, I love a cyber. I mean, what an entrance! Yeah, they just go, walked yeah. in, and they just—it well, looks like they've just murdered everybody, including the yeah. doctor. I love it. That's another good cliffhanger. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, yeah. So I was saying the um, the, the, the the meaning of cyber. Go on. Um, so so cyber obviously came up at the uh, these lot a lot in the nineties. It comes from a Greek word. Didn't know this. It comes from um, the Greek word of kuba. Kuba now meaning steering a ship or uh, kubernesis which is um like leadership or something so it's about control cyber right. really, it means it can mean refer to like governance or navigation but it basically means leading or steering um and now we put it in front of everything uh obviously after the internet we now say cyber everything cyber security cyber bullying and then doctor yeah, 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 they yeah, like yeah. their cyber might cyber mats cyber shades and then stick cyber in front of it and it's cool there we go that there. is yeah, it's fantastic. 